what you can say is all information may be published on the internet, but before it can go viral, there must be taken a certain level of accountability for the information. So all information may be published on the internet, otherwise it's censorship, we don't want censorship. But before information can go viral, there must be a certain level of accountability. So there's always freedom of speech, but not automatically necessarily freedom of reach. Tap into the minds of change makers creating real impact on people and our planet. It's time to live your purpose. I'm your host, Dale Wilkinson, and this is Good Makers. What is up? Thanks for dropping into episode 39. Welcome back if you're a loyal listener and hello if this is your first time tuning into the podcast. Hit subscribe if you would like to get a weekly dose of inspiration from social entrepreneurs and change makers that are doing incredible work to make this world a better place for you and I. And if you yourself would like to put your skills toward doing good, then visit goodgigs.app where you can find freelance, full-time and remote opportunities with mission-driven companies. We've also launched our community platform where you can network and collab with other good humans. Okay, on this episode, I speak with Sebastian Vanderlands, the founder of WordProof, a tool that is using blockchain technology to help stamp out misinformation and for creators to verify ownership of their work. There are plenty more use cases for WordProof, which we actually discuss in the episode. Sebastian also talks about the serious consequences if we continue down this path of not being able to trust the information we have access to on the internet. He also explains in detail what is blockchain technology and how he's using it to help create a more trusted and safe internet. Let's jump into my chat with Sebastian Vanderlands. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and, and learn about WordProof. How are you doing? My pleasure will be fun. Thanks for having me and uh, doing fine in a sunny Amsterdam today. Is that like not very often that you get a sunny day over there or it's one of the first days of the year with uh with great sun so uh yeah if <laughs> that's well, everyone it's there there's a uh, a term we call it rockius day that's not today but it's the day that we all dress fancy <laughs> and is that like the the beginning of spring like you kind of know springs around the corner yeah 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 so uh everyone has a smile on the face and uh, yeah the kick of a new season I love it. So you're the founder of WordProof, which is a uh, startup that's trying to stamp out misinformation, fake news via blockchain technology. And it helps authors of content to be able to verify that their content is legit. It's theirs. They were the originator of it. We're going to jump into that. But I, I think what we need to do initially is to talk about the issue of misinformation and fake news and really what is the serious impact behind it. For people that just, you know, aren't involved with politics or too much about it, they've heard fake news a lot. What is the actual impact? Yeah. So the problem is as big that people say, hey, Desinformation is a bigger problem than terrorism, both in Europe and the, U and the EU. So that says something because terrorism is as scary as could be. The 
internet is a great place and it brought us many good things with the push of a button, you have a cap in front of your door, which brings you from A to B without handing the cash. The internet has brought us many good things, but at the same time, it has deep rooted issues with trust. And it's quite obvious as trust simply wasn't part of the internet's design. The internet was designed to connect computers with computers and computers, they don't care about power or self-enrichment as they have no egos, but we humans do. And therefore, Today on the internet, we, uh, we suffer fraud and manipulation in theft because for this kind of obnoxious behaviors, normally in society, we have solutions to solve them. We keep each other accountable, but on the internet, those systems aren't in place and therefore search engines, social media, they aren't a safe place anymore. Even I myself am scared using the internet for over 20 years that I get into a fraud or whatever. I'm scared for my parents, scared for my future kids. And what we deserve is an internet where we can simply, yeah, what, what if we can simply trust all information on the internet? <laughs> that, yeah. that, that would be wonderful. And because the internet isn't a safe place currently that goes back to society. So what we say is to save the world, we need to fix the internet. Trust must become part of the internet's DNA. And that's what we work on. Yeah. How did it get to this point though? Like how did the, especially in the last few years, especially here in the US with since 2016 and with the Trump presidency and all this attention around fake news. Has it just progressively got worse? Have media companies pushed the limit on what they can produce? It happened, the distrust in the internet, it happens slowly and then suddenly. <laughs> it seems right. like the last months is kind of a, a grand finale of uh, the grand final of everything with the with the capital uh, stuff with the uh, the disinformation around the, the the virus situation we learned a lot over the last years and when we founded the company at the end of 20 or halfway 2019 we had to explain a lot about the problem today we don't have to explain anything everyone People is get it and it happens because until the virus situation Everyone was talking about digital transformation and e-commerce and every company was about, oh, digital is super important. But the, only over the last year, we learned, we really learned how to use the internet. Finally, we were really dependent on the internet. Finally, we learned to use the internet to work from home. And you, you could say that in the last year of internet, we made more progress than all other years before. So we are more educated. Everyone is more educated about the problem and uh, yeah, time to solve it. Because we saw the real world impact of it, right? We saw the deniers of COVID-19 in the US, the George Floyd protests and, and Black Lives Matter and the backlash against yeah. that and all this fake news over the over the riots and such. And you we saw how quick it spread. And then talking to your families that are in different areas of the country and uh, living in this echo chamber of, of their little piece of the internet. And there, there's intentional misinformation and unintentional misinformation. It's super easy to, and that's one of the things that came from our research, that many people 
are distributing, are aware that they distributed misinformation themselves afterwards. So um, mm -hmm. there, there are disinformation that's more of campaigns intended to manipulate, but there's yep. also a lot of misinformation that spread accidentally. So yeah, it's what you say, an echo chamber of, in, in many cases, it's just an, kind of an echo effect. Why was this the issue, the topic that you wanted to work on? How did you get into this, into this work? I'm a open source nerd by heart. So I'm a big proponent of open source software. Open source is software that you can freely download, edit, redistribute. One of the famous examples of open source software and communities is, for example, Wikipedia. Yeah. So there were encyclopedias, but then there was Wikipedia. It's an encyclopedia by, it, it's simple software and a community using it. And it's available to everyone at no cost. Then you had for websites, the biggest player in the website industry is WordPress. It has around 100 million people using the WordPress software, but it's not built by a company, but by a community. It's free and open software. And WordPress is the biggest content management system on the web. The number two is more than 10 times smaller. <laughs> and it's not a company who's the market leader, but it's a community and software. So open source software and a community has the ability to become market leaders. That happened to information, Wikipedia. That happened to uh, websites, WordPress. That happened to uh, Bitcoin or money, Bitcoin. Bitcoin has 100 million users. It's software and a community, it's users who democratize money. And Bitcoin for many is still a scary idea, but the idea that a community of 100 million users created money, engineered yeah. money, is a fascinating idea. And that's what we want to bring to information, the ability to protect information, to verify how information changed over time. We think it's a, a human right to be able to see how information changed and who the sender is of information. Because with mm -hmm. that in place, what I read is real and I can verify who wrote it, what I create is mine and I have to prove. And if there's a dispute, for example, in e-commerce between a seller and a buyer, uh, I have leverage. I can prove what the terms of the deal were. It makes a level playing field between senders and receivers of information in governments, in e-commerce, in news. For all the information that matters, you deserve trust. You're starting to explain blockchain technology. For folks that don't know what blockchain is, can you describe in layman's terms what, what it is? Yeah, for sure. So... Firstly, a bit of history. Blockchain is the technology behind Bitcoin, but blockchain was invented not for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is invented around 12, 13 years ago, but mm -hmm. over 30 years ago, blockchain was invented in 1991, January. Uh, that was the first white paper about it for proving that you didn't tamper with the date and with information. Blockchain was invented for showing that you didn't tamper with information. So what we do is bringing what blockchain was invented for to all information that matters. Now, what is a blockchain? Imagine us being with, in the, with the four of us. So you, the listener, you and I, 
and another listener in another room mm -hmm. at this moment. We all have kind of a, a paper and on a paper stands, hey, Dale has three Bitcoins, Sebastian has two, I as a listener have five Bitcoins and the other listener has two. If you want to buy, you, Dale, want to buy something from me, uh, you say, hey, I have one Bitcoin, Sebastian, I give you one Bitcoin and I want to have this beautiful mouth mask with, with a picture of a cat. <laughs> you buy that for me. <laughs> you buy that. I, I hope there's video for the people. It's and worth there's watching video the video. So people are gonna see. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise it was me with a, a cat uh, mask. <laughs> but you want to say, hey, Sebastian, I give you one Bitcoin and then you get the mask once the Bitcoin is transferred for me. We all four of us have a paper with how many Bitcoins everyone has. You say, I want to give Sebastian one Bitcoin from the three I have. Then we all talk to each other and say, hey, Dale has one, so he can transfer one to Sebastian. Do we all agree that Sebastian uh, gets one Bitcoin for Dale as he requested? We say, okay, he has enough. I agree, I agree, I agree. And then the transaction is done. So mm. as a community of four, we agree that the transaction is done. We do the transaction. We all show, hey, this is the new score for everyone. Um, and I give you the mask. There you go. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to keep each other accountable to say, hey, is this transaction possible? Okay, then we allow it. So it's a, a and then in that way, with that changing one Bitcoin and registering uh, that change, we transferred value from one person to another without a bank, without a government, without anything in the world. So it's that's layman terms, but that's as easy as it gets. What we do at Wordproof is we make a fingerprint of information. So we say, hey, this information has this unique fingerprint. And we, instead of the Bitcoin transaction, we put that fingerprint in that paper or in that ledger. So we use gotcha. the same technology. And the idea that that data and that information is not centralized anywhere. There's multiple locations that have that exact same data interaction. And whenever something happens, it's it's recorded. Exactly. And anyone can check. And so we four were all participants in that network. But in the case of Bitcoin, it's tens of thousands of computers who keep each other honest. And yep. yeah. That's what it is. It says, hey, I want to make this transaction. Okay, you have that amount. So I, we all allow that transaction. And that's basically yeah. how it works. As simple as that. So then going to WordProof and what you actually do, you work with content creators, publishers to verify that verify their own content. Can you explain that a little a little further in terms of what, what the service is? Yeah, so the most easy thing to imagine is being a reader of a government website, being a reader of a news website. We all see information on, uh, you see a news article, you see a headline, you see an image, and there we see last edited four hours ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. You could say, wow, that's transparent. Thanks for sharing that you updated it four hours ago. But you could also be a bit suspicious. What was there four hours ago that I'm not allowed to see anymore? Mm. So the interface is you click on four hours ago and then you can see, hey, four hours ago, this part changed 
this part of the article changed. So you can wander through the revisions. What Got we it. do forever, so that's what you can do as a reader of information. What we do for every revision of the headline and the article and the images, we make a unique fingerprint and we store that in a blockchain transaction. So from that moment, you can always see, verify as a reader of the information, if their uh, information has been tampered and who was the one who timestamped the information, hence who was the one uh, publishing it first. So it yep. does two things. It brings transparency and accountability, who was the sender of the information. So you're, you're able to see if there was a hack or something like that, or if it wasn't that or particular. A, a hack is a big word, but, but yeah, a hack, you can see a hack, but most people aren't interested in hacks. They want to yeah. see if the information has changed. So if there was revisionism in, in a way. For example, in terms and conditions, uh, imagine the e-commerce use case. You buy mm -hmm. something and in the time of warranty, it breaks. You go back to the shop, but if the shop changed the terms and conditions and says, yeah, sorry, I can't help you because the terms and conditions changed. Or maybe mm -hmm. they changed the product information. It was a fridge with four shelves. Uh, one of them breaks, but on the website at the moment you check, it offers two shelves or three shelves. So they say, yeah, sorry, it, uh, it, it, it should have three shelves. So we can't, it's not warranty. With the timestamp in place, you can show what the product information was, what the terms and conditions were at the moment of buying. And in that way, you're not reliant on the willingness of the seller if they will help you in support. And the other thing the, for the opposite, because a question could be, why should the seller, uh, why should the seller uh, timestamp? Why should uh, she do that? Because there's a lot of fraud consumers who said, hey, I don't trust you, you misbehaving. And uh, if the seller handles with integrity, it makes their support easier as they can as well prove what the terms were at the moment of buying. So one of the users of Wordproof, he has a, a company, a software company selling, he, he sells products, digital products. Then he had kind of a dispute with someone who bought at his uh, shop, but wasn't willing to pay the invoice because she said, you changed the terms and conditions. It's unfair, but he was able through timestamps to prove that he didn't tamper his terms and conditions. And in less than one hour, she paid. So Got it. It, while he wasn't able to afford a lawyer, he wasn't able to do, or it, it's a small business. So he as a small business had protection, had the ability to prove that he didn't tamper the terms and conditions without having a lawyer, without having the hassle. The people that could use the service, it's not just content creators. It is, like you said, e-commerce, anyone doing any kind of transaction where there's like paperwork or any kind of legal contracts. Yeah, or creative work, creating their their copyright. We have use cases from creative agencies. There, there were two brothers. They're called uh, Martijn and Camille Blom. They have a creative agency. They make wonderful furniture, all unique pieces. Uh, they're with the two of them and some trainees. So really a small Amsterdam-based studio. Yeah. They make products and they make passports for the products. Wonderful content, wonderful photo photography, uh, wonderful storytelling. 
but then both people with web shops or on eBay, they just copied their information with cheap copies of the products. And yeah, once they discover, they sent an email to eBay. Hey, the products are copied. It's our hard labor. Uh, can you please take it down? We don't want them to be punished, but we want at least to take them down as it's, yeah, it's, it's not the product they deliver. It hurts our brand. No reply from eBay every month that they tried that. Then they started timestamping <laughs> and what we do is it's, it's a, a cheap service. They pay 70 euros a year. That's $80 ish, $90 ish. And in the tool, the my WordProof, they're able to say, Hey, this is the URL of the copycat. Uh, this is the URL of my product, generate a legal letter. They send, download the PDF with all the proof when they published, what they published. And it's, it's really impressive, simple, but impressive document with indisputable yeah. proof that they were the first one publishing it, send it to eBay. One hour later, it was uh, deleted from eBay. So <laughs> what does that do? It's a small thing, but it gives them the protection uh, they normally they don't have the time to collect all information they don't have the money to hire a lawyer to write a letter because that it could easily cost them five or six hundred dollars and in a matter of minutes without the pain they are able as a small player to fight the big player or get their stuff protected and in that way being small matters again a lot of small content creators think, yeah, I'm copied, but that's how the internet works. That, that's pretty much, yeah. We take it for, for granted that robbery happens on the internet. And I'm mm -hmm. not a big copyright fighter. I'm not a big IP fighter, not at all. But I love the, the idea, idea that we democratize the basics uh, of content creation. Yeah, especially when you do have those small players, small creators that that don't have that backing to be able to go after some of these these big companies. That so yes, they they you know they're not spending the the, the money on lawyers, but they also the economic benefit of not having these copycats out there as yeah. well. And it's a relatively cheap service, WordProof, right? It's super cheap. There's a free plan of 10 times SAMS a month. There's an open source version. It's a bit harder to use, but it's uh, that's free to use. So I, I firmly believe and that the ability to prove your integrity and protect your work is a human right. It shouldn't be a luxury product. So yeah. that's why we decided on making a free plan. So anyone, any creator could use this. So if you're a YouTuber, if you're creating content on TikTok, on Instagram. So yeah, there's, we started as a plugin for WordPress. WordPress is a huge website system, but what we learned was a lot of people say, hey, I want to protect my PDF or I'm a music creator. I have uh, my file before I send them to the uh, record company or my demo. How can we timestamp that? So what we did is we made wordproof.com slash files where also 10 files a month, you can timestamp them for free. We don't store your content because that's not necessary. Only yep. the timestamp of the information so that you can prove that you are the one creating it. Gotcha. Who's the biggest audience at the moment? Who are you going, going after? Is it the big media publishers that? Yeah. So what we're working on with the European Commission and search engines is to make sure that not only 
people can verify information, but also search engines and social media, because something really interesting happens then. Big part of the problem of misinformation and disinformation is information that's just an opinion going viral on the internet. Right. What you can do with a timestamp is saying, hey, all information and looking at the, the big tech at uh, social media and search engines, what you can do is making a relationship between the amount of accountability that has been taken for content, the amount of transparency that you show in your content and how far content can reach. What you can say is all information may be published on the internet, but before it can go viral, there must be taken a certain level of accountability for the information. So all information may be published on the internet, otherwise it's censorship, we don't want censorship. But before information can go viral, there must be a certain level of accountability. So there's always freedom of speech, but not automatically necessarily freedom of reach. So that's like with the, the big efforts that social media tech giants have been taking about taking down misinformation or at least putting a warning on it, this service would actually make that a little easier. Yeah, so, but th there's one big distinguishing there. We can't say this is good or this is bad. Otherwise we're internet policing. That's not what we do. What we mm -hmm. can show and prove and help people in verifying is who's the sender of the information and how did the information change over time? Those two things are super objective. So it's not Got us it. saying what she said is wrong and what she, what she says is good. It's really the ability like, in real life. Is she a person? Yes, she is. <laughs> so right. we bring the ability to verify if someone is a human and who she is to the internet, making that, uh, yeah, bringing that good habit from society into the internet. We are back with our community segment, checking in to see what's happening in the Good Geeks community. And here with us is Sue, who is our community manager. What's up? Hi, dear. <laughs> you sound like you're so excited to speak to me, Sue. We have been already talking for an hour, so, and it's Friday. Yeah. Can't blame her. <laughs> what's been happening in the community this week? Well, I'm always so amazed by just what I'm learning from the community. You know, I've been in the social impact space for a while and I thought there was just, and I thought I knew a lot about different industries and different roles. And every day I'm just amazed at how people are putting their skills for good. Yeah, right. Anyone in particular that stuck out for you? Yeah, I, I love it when I learn something new and I feel like I get to do that just by hearing people's stories. So one area I wanted to share a little bit about is uh, Shane Davis, who has Planter App, connects designers with people who have space and land. He's the one that has, he's setting up a marketplace for anyone that has a front yard that they want to turn into a, a food forest, like set up vegetables and healthy produce and such. But he's creating this marketplace where he connects them with permaculture designers. Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Yes, that was actually really cool as well. I, I read that and I thought, wow, what a niche the space and then to find right. there was another community member even in our small community saying, you know what, I'm a perm permacultural designer and specialty in food forest. And so yeah. 
that was really cool to see that connection happen and really exciting to see what that might look like. Speaking of another connection and a good little win that happened this week was with Alicia, who is a executive director. She's got her own nonprofit and she was looking for a part-time partnerships manager and she found someone in the Good Gigs community, Celeste. Uh, so they've started working together. That was really fun. And all it just took was, you know, her mentioning that just looking for someone and someone responded. And we found out a couple of weeks later that now they're working together. Yeah, it's dope. So if you're trying to find someone that to come onto your team or you're looking for work, meaningful work with companies that are doing good shit in the world, <laughs> come to the community and come hang with Sue and I. Yeah, let us know what you're looking for. Uh, let us know just what your causes are and you'll obviously be surprised who else is sharing that cause with you. What's the biggest challenge then? Is there a, a big hurdle with education to the consumer of understanding WordProof has a little logo and a little check? Is there kind of this education process needs to happen for consumers to be able to understand this? 80, 85% of at least the Europeans support educational misinformation and fake news. So when you click on a, what we call a timestamp certificate, Half of it is education. And I just realized that I didn't answer your last question. Sorry for that, about what we're focusing on, on uh, mm -hmm. publishers or so. And then I started to elaborate on search engines. And I realized that I did that because we focus on publishers and e-commerce, but mostly on publishers today. Why? Because they have volume. For us, it's important to be too big to ignore for search engines. Uh, by the time this airs, maybe, there's one search engine. I, I can't say this too loud, but there, there <laughs> soon there's one search engine, a small one, who labels timestamps results in the search engine result page. That will happen uh, soon. So that's interesting. So for us, it's super important to be too big to ignore for the search engines because we expect policymakers to make it mandatory to timestamp information, at least for governments and uh, publicly owned uh, news organizations. But with working with search engines, there's a reward for being uh, transparent and being uh, taking accountability for your content, which strengthens the value proposition of a search engine as well, as the mm. main goal for a search engine often is to help finding the highest quality result for the question asked. Yep. A, a result that's transparent and verifiable who the sender is, is arguably a higher quality result. So we focus on publishers, large publishers and small publishers to get volume, to show to the biggest search engines that, but the biggest search engines are watching us. We, and we're, we're in touch with them regularly on, and we're, we are dancing with each other. <laughs> I like that analogy. That's awesome. And I'm assuming there's also kind of this uh, attention with deep fake videos. I'm assuming that WordProof would be able to also help with that understanding what is a deep fake. Ideally, what you want is making sure that the sender agrees on the information. So there's a lot of advertising. We have that a lot in Europe. I'm not sure how it's on your end, but where the where famous people are misused oh they bought bitcoin or they bought this they bought that and it, it's kind of impersonation 
what you want, and there's two things needed for that. One of that is AI to recognize which person is in which video. What you want is every video, deepfake or not, may be published on the internet. But before mm -hmm. a video can go viral, the persons in this video need to put their timestamp, their fingerprint uh, right. on it, and their approval for it to be amplified. Information going viral is amplification. Advertising is also amplification. Before a video can get advertised, before a video can go viral, the people in the video must put their timestamp, their fingerprint on the video. That's how to solve this issue. Going back to the consumers and the general public, how do you address the conspiracy theorists <laughs> that don't necessarily look to verifying where they got their information from. Is that a challenge or does that really not matter if you, the rest of the population that aren't as persuaded by that kind of content to understand what verifying WordProof does and does it matter? Some will love it, some will hate it. In many cases, the thinkers in conspiracy uh, theories don't mind sharing their or connecting their identity to the information. Right. So making transparency and accountability part of the base layer of the internet, it tackles a big chunk, at least all anonymous misinformation, disinformation. But for the um, for the ones where accountability is taken, it's there there are more steps needed to solve that problem. Because a lot of times they just double down, right? If they do have some information that, that yeah. contradicts or... And what research shows is that they don't mind. Uh, they if, if, if you debunk information for them, they yeah. say, ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly what they say. So it doubles, right. it's what you say, it doubles down. So debunking isn't a solution there. Timestamping isn't a full solution there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, there's more needed to tackle that. And Got it. The, the hard thing is for them, it's not a conspiracy. Exactly. <laughs> Often. <laughs> but what we, where it helps is just opinions going viral. Yeah. That's what will happen less often. And that's yeah. a good thing. What does the future look like for you, the immediate future in the next couple in the next couple of years? And I should mention that you had a pretty massive win last year with the EU Commission. Yeah. Had this competition for blockchain specifically with social impact. We were super happy and proud that firstly the competition was organized. So the name of the competition was Blockchains for Social Good. Blockchain mm -hmm. for many people is all oh, Bitcoin greed, blah, blah, blah. So I was super proud that the European Commission organized something that was blockchain and social good in one sentence. 175 proposals from over 40 countries participated. And yeah, we, we got the highest score possible, 29 and a half out of 30 points. So we won uh, 1 million cash to grow the wow. startup. So we're, wow. yeah, that, that was helpful but especially the recognition of Europe saying, hey, this is an important thing. That, that helped the most. And what the, the coming years, in a few years from now, if you don't timestamp your information, you'd be considered a fraud. What are you hiding? That's what we're working towards. An internet where all information that matters 
terms and conditions, news, government information is timestamped, is accountable and transparent in an open way. I love it. Is there any particular regions, countries that you're kind of targeting? Yeah, Europe and the US mainly, but we yeah. did a lot of research. We, we have two things. We have Wordproof, that's the timestamp company. Everyone who learns about timestamps thinks it's super cool, but nobody knows about timestamps. So we need to educate the search engines, the audience, the governments, the publishers on timestamping. So we founded an educational initiative that's the Trusted Web Foundation with education for e-commerce, for, for all stakeholders. And yeah, so the focus is really creating, that's what we're building, a trusted web where all information is transparent and accountable. Because that's going to be your your supporters and the ones that are going to educate the general public, right? The ones that are starting yeah. to use WordProof, the creators and such. And it's like, hey, yeah. this is this is how I prove that this is my original work. And we are Amsterdam-based. We started as an Amsterdam-based startup. I always start my keynotes in, uh, or mostly my keynotes with the question, who likes GDPR? <laughs> GDPR is the, the annoying stuff and questions you get on the internet. Nobody loves GDPR, but right. because the execution wasn't wonderful but the intention behind it from europe as a continent was making the internet a better place for the citizens of uh europe and the world so what i think and that's we we do a lot of we focus a lot on european companies but also on the us because yeah misinformation is a problem everywhere around the globe so yeah it's a global movement there is movement in canada there is movement in asia there is movement everywhere around the globe and uh, it's a global yeah. movement that's that's what i like on the open source ideation it's not us as a company working on this, we have a community of hundreds of people, of thousands of users working on making timestamping a default on the internet. There's space for more companies like Wordproof. That's why we initiated the, the Trusted Web Foundation to make sure that the category arises. And we have, for example, one of our shareholders is, um, for everyone who uses WordPress, knows about the company Yoast SEO. They're a <laughs> way to optimize your content for search engines. 11 million websites are using their software. Together with them, they are part of the WordProof initiative. They are part of the Trusted Web Foundation. We really work on bringing this to all websites on the internet, not only the paying ones. I love it. So if you want to, if, if a listener wants to get involved in that community, there are a lot of creators that listen to this as well. Where's the best place to find WordProof and how, how can they uh, get involved? So if you're using WordProof, you can just install the plugin that takes you five minutes. It's called WordProof Timestamp. If you want to get involved in the community, uh, go to wordproof.com or uh, thetrustedweb.org. There's all information. There's education. There's a link to our active Telegram group, uh, which is called WordProof. And yeah, get involved. We're really open to hearing ideas, hearing your thoughts, answering your questions. So yeah, it's really a community. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm going to share all those links in the show notes as well. Sebastian, it's been awesome to understand this and, and, and learn what you're doing over there. And I, and I can't wait for it to scale so I don't have to have these arguments with my roommate about the information <laughs> that she's sharing. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. This was great fun. Thanks for having me. 
Hopefully you learned a lot from this episode. I certainly did. I didn't realize how many ways WordProof can help users of the internet. It sounds like nearly every one of us would be able to take advantage of this tool. So if you're interested, make sure to check the show notes of this episode and you'll find the link to WordProof. And I've included links where you can connect with Sebastian, send him a note and let him know that you listened to the episode and share what part of the episode resonated with you. Hey, thanks for showing up and listening. Until next week, keep on doing great work.